the Samsung Neo QLED 8K TV featuring incredible color volume with 8K AI upscaling powered by 20 neural networks on an impossibly slim screen is the kind of TV that's so visually astounding, so unfathomably well-designed, it has to be seen to be believed. Don't believe me? Well, okay then. Radio has its limits. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Welcome to your Vibrant Life Podcast. My name is Haley, and my mission is to help busy, burnt-out individuals increase their energy naturally and discover how good their bodies are designed to feel. If you're struggling with digestion, body image, or fatigue, you're in the right place. On this podcast, I will be providing you with the simple and effective strategies that me and my clients use to feel vibrant every day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back to your Vibrant Life podcast. I'm your host, Haley, and today we have a conversation around protein. A lot of times I will dive deeper into you know, more complex ideas, you know, things like cholesterol or gut health, and I do really love to travel down the path of mindset as well, really tying together everything health-related in order to for you to live your most vibrant life. But today, I want to talk about something that is quite possibly overlooked on a daily basis by millions of people around the world. And with this one thing, it can be really holding you back from achieving your goals. And that one thing is protein. So today, I want to have a conversation around protein, how much protein your body needs, why it's important, where we can find supplemental protein or dietary supplements if you're struggling to meet your body's protein requirements and the different types of supplements that are out there and what to look for in your products. So this is going to be an interesting conversation, I think, for a lot of people who are maybe already engaged in the fitness industry Maybe you're already training at the gym. Maybe you've worked with a nutritionist or a dietitian in the past. This stuff might be, you know, something you're familiar with. But hopefully there is some new little golden nuggets that I can uh, put in your back pocket to take home with you today as well. And if you are new to the fitness world, if you're new to nutrition, if you're just starting out and learning about how to fuel your body and how to get started at the gym, then this conversation is going to be incredibly important and foundational for your success. So let's just dive right into it and start talking a little bit about what protein is. So I think a lot of us have the general understanding of what protein foods are. Like when we think of protein, we think like chicken or steak or eggs. But let's talk a little bit about you know what protein is as well. So when we're talking about calories and calories are just a unit of energy that we're able to measure in our food. Our body requires energy to thrive and you know not just to move, to run or jog or lift weights, but it requires energy to do things like digest and blink and keep you warm and breathe and have your heart beating. So calories are really what fuel our entire body. And we can break down calories into three primary categories. And those 
three primary categories are your proteins, your fats, and your carbohydrates. Now, when we're looking at food, there are foods that come in the majority of one of these three, but they're not always exclusive. For example, a chicken breast is going to have protein as well as some fats. You know, some ground beef is going to have protein as well as fats and probably a higher fat content, unless you're getting really lean ground beef, a higher fat content than your chicken. Now, if we start looking into more plant-based proteins, let's say, for example, I'm looking at chickpeas, chickpeas are going to have both protein and fats, and chickpeas are also going to have carbohydrates. So we start looking at our plant-based proteins, we usually see a combination of all three in different variations throughout our vegetables and legumes and grains. So basically, I'm going to do a little recap. Our body requires energy. This energy, we can break down into three subcategories in our food, carbs, fats, and proteins. And today we are going to be focusing on protein. If I tried to talk about all three of these in a podcast, we'd be here for hours and hours. So I'll just pick one of the three macronutrients. These subcategories are called macronutrients to focus on today. So I think something really interesting that a lot of people don't know about protein that I want to just throw out there right at the beginning of this podcast, just kind of to get you a little more interested, is that we all burn a certain amount of calories throughout the day. We call this our total daily energy expenditure. And I've talked about this on previous podcasts when I was discussing, you know, reverse dieting, and calorie surpluses and all these kinds of things. I have talked about our total daily energy expenditure, TDEE. Now we can look at our TDEE and break that down into, again, a bunch of subcategories. So our TDEE is the total daily energy expenditure, how many calories we burned in a day. Now we can break that down into BMR, which is our base metabolic rate, how many calories we burn just by sitting and just by doing nothing Our body needs calories to survive and to maintain cell function and for you to breathe and blink and for your heart to beat and all those fun things. And then we have our EAT, which is our exercise activity thermogenesis, how many calories we burn through exercise, okay? And then we have our NEAT, our non-exercise activity thermogenesis, how many calories we burn doing just our daily activities, getting up and going to the bathroom, taking our pup outside to go pee walking around the kitchen, chopping vegetables. We call that our NEAT, okay? Non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And we kind of group our steps. Like I got 10,000 steps a day. We kind of group that into our NEAT. But I see that somewhat as your EAT, your exercise activity thermogenesis as well. I feel like that's overlapping, especially when we're getting intentional steps. I do feel that that is part of our exercise activity thermogenesis. But when we're looking at the numbers, we have our EAT our NEAT, we have our BMR, and then we have one more number to look at, and that is our TEF. So our TEF is our thermogenic effect of feeding, how many calories we burn when we're digesting our food. And yes, it requires calories. It requires energy to digest. And so when we're looking at our different foods, we're looking at you know different types of foods, and we start looking at the different macronutrients and their effects on TEF, Protein has the highest effect on TEF, meaning it's going to increase the number of calories burned through digestion. So rewind here for a second. Let's go back to our EAT, our exercise activity thermogenesis. 
exercise activity thermogenesis is anything from five to 15%, depending on the average person, average gym goer. Okay. Now the Olympic athlete who's training at least once a day, probably twice a day, their eat exercise activity thermogenesis can be up to a maximum of 30%. Okay. Keep those numbers in your brain, five to 15%, 30% if you're really training hard, like an Olympic level athlete. Our TEF, our thermogenic effective feeding, can be as high as 15%. It can be the same as, if not higher, than the exercise calories burned. Meaning, if you increase the amount of protein in your diet, you will burn more calories without needing to do more exercise. This is why, when we're looking to lose weight, we want to make sure we're calculating the optimal amount of protein for you to digest and assimilate in your body so that you can have the highest calories burned at rest and that you make it easier for yourself to lose weight and maintain weight loss. Now, on the flip side of that, we also need protein to build muscle, okay? So if you're looking to be more toned, to lose weight, to increase your strength, to increase your power, maybe you're looking to gain weight and put on mass at the gym. I have lots of male clients who come to me who are looking to put on weight. Then we also need protein. But we want to look at that from a different capacity and not that we're going to burn more calories throughout the day, because for those clients, we're going to make sure they're in a calorie surplus, they're eating more. We're going to also need that protein for muscle protein synthesis, for the building and the repair of muscle. And because protein, you guys, plays so many roles in the human body, protein is actually one of the building blocks in our cholesterol. And cholesterol makes all of our hormones and sex hormones. And protein also plays a role in all of the structures in our body, like our hair and nails. I already mentioned our muscle. And many of our amino acids, the building blocks of protein, actually are utilized in our detox. So our body can't actually detoxify without protein. And your body's primary goal is to survive. It is not to thrive, it is not to be vibrant. Your body's primary goal is to just be alive. So if there is a lot of, you know, breakdown of our muscle tissue and there is also a lot of toxins in our body, our body is going to prioritize getting rid of the toxins first and making sure we have hormones to stay alive. It is not going to prioritize the muscle building if it doesn't have enough to do that. So it's going to prioritize our survival over our physique, which makes sense, right? It's not going to prioritize building a booty if it needs to prioritize surviving and detoxifying. So having enough protein is essential for your body to thrive and build muscle and burn fat. That's where I was going with that big conversation around TEF. But now that we know that protein is really important for muscle building and fat loss and detox and all those good things, what exactly is protein? So protein, as I said, is one of our macronutrients, it's required in the body in large amounts. That's macronutrient. Micronutrients are all our like vitamins and minerals. And for every gram of protein, we get four calories. Okay. When we say that protein builds muscle, what we're actually saying is that the body breaks down protein that you eat into the little tiny building blocks. And these are called amino acids. And those amino acids are synthesized into muscle. So you're not just going to take chicken muscle and make it bicep muscle. That's not how that works. 
your body's going to take the protein from the chicken, break it down into the amino acids, and then synthesize it into the muscle that you need. Okay. And so your protein is responsible for many different body processes, as I mentioned, including hormones, neurological process, detox, as well as this muscle synthesis. 80% of your muscle is actually made up of these amino acids. So amino acids come in two different categories, non-essential and essential. But the truth is that they're all essential, you guys. You need all of them to build muscle and to stay alive. But the EAAs, the essential amino acids, our body cannot produce in the body. Our non-essential amino acids, our body can take the different compounds that we ingest and produce these amino acids. Now, some of them are conditionally essential. I know that's kind of confusing, sometimes essential. If in the situation of poor gut health or old age, we do see some of these amino acids not being able to be produced naturally by the body. And then we actually do need to ensure that they're coming in through the diet. So these amino acids are all critical for our health and well-being. And let's talk a little bit about, you know, the types of protein that you're going to find in your diet, because I do really want to focus this podcast, not just on like protein and nerding out on how much protein you need to build muscle. I want to talk about the different types of protein that we're going to find in our food. And if we're not getting enough, how to supplement with that in a way that's going to optimize your digestion and your gut health and still allow you to feel amazing. I think one of the biggest issues with protein supplementation is that it can come with a lot of garbage and fillers and artificial sweeteners. And so I want to, you know, touch on that and make sure that the protein you're choosing is the one that's right for you. Okay. So let's talk about animal sources of protein. So we're going to see animal sources of protein. You want to think animal-based food products, chicken, beef, eggs. Eggs are going to come with a very high percentage of fats as well as, as protein, but the protein is primarily your egg whites. So when I say animal protein, I often kind of skip over the eggs in this conversation and just go straight to the egg whites. And we also see, you know, protein in fish, so seafood as well. And then of course, if we're starting to look at, you know, different animal products, I want to say wild animals, venison, moose, like all the, all those kinds of foods. So when we're talking about animal proteins, those are the proteins we're focusing on. And then we have supplementary animal proteins that we're looking at, which would be things like collagen, where we have extracted the collagen protein from the animal or whey, where we've taken the protein out of dairy and put it into a food product. Obviously milk is going to have protein, but it's going to have a lower percentage of protein than protein versus carbohydrates in the milk than if you get something like a whey or a casein supplement, okay? So then we look at our plant-based proteins. And when we're looking at plant-based foods, I mean, broccoli has protein, soya beans have protein, pea protein, brown rice protein, chickpeas, all these foods have protein. But there's an issue. There's an issue with plant-based proteins. And that is that they are incomplete sources of protein. So legumes like beans and peas and lentils, nuts and seeds, yes, peanut butter as well. I don't think it's a great source of protein because it comes along with a lot of fats, but it still has protein. Whole grains, vegetables, as I mentioned, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and Brussels sprouts and green beans as well. Those kinds of foods are also going to have protein in them. But these foods have incomplete protein sources, meaning they don't come with the nine essential amino acids. So we have to do something called combining proteins. 
meaning you have to stack different kinds of plant-based proteins, like stacking legumes with nuts and seeds to make sure that you're getting that complete protein. And it is a bit of a science. If you are a vegetarian, I often recommend getting a protein powder that is a vegan or vegetarian protein that has the complete range of amino acids. And that is something that is going to be done by the company who is manufacturing it. My other issue with plant-based proteins, if you're not getting it from a protein powder and you're trying to ingest a lot of these, is that they come along with a lot of carbs and fats. Uh, so your calories will be very high in order to get the amount of protein that you need. So it's challenging to maintain a vegetarian diet in a calorie deficit and to hit your body's protein requirements. So in these cases, I often recommend that there is supplementation, but I will often recommend supplementation of protein even when someone includes animal protein. So for me, right now, I am in a phase where I'm looking to build muscle. So I'm in a phase of muscle or anabolism. I'm looking to eat slightly above my baseline calories, and I'm looking to eat enough protein to support my style of training for preparing for a bodybuilding show next May. So I am eating a very high protein content and I do eat animal protein three times a day. And that animal protein is split up into servings of three or four ounces. And I typically switch it up. So I like to have chicken. I like to have some prawns. I usually like to have some form of red meat in there as well. And I switch it up from, I do a lot of meal prep. So I switch it up between meal preps and change up the kind of proteins that I'm eating. And then I also have a couple of different protein powders. I will usually use an egg white protein and egg white is a complete source of protein as well as a whey isolate. Okay. And we're going to talk about the different types of protein powders here in a minute. So let's talk about next how much protein your body needs. So a really basic approach is to say that I need one gram per pound of body weight. So I'm 140 pounds. I would need 140 grams of protein. That's a good generic target for the average person. Okay. Now, if you're someone who is training intensely in the gym and you're breaking down a lot of muscle tissue throughout the week and you need a lot of muscle repair, so there's a lot of muscle protein synthesis required for you to recover, then I recommend going above that idea of gram per pound. So for my clients, I'm actually looking at their lean body mass, how much muscle they have. So I'll take their fat mass, I approximate how much body fat they have on them subtract that from their total body weight. So let's just use hundred pounds because it's easy. hundred pound person, we are going to subtract. Let's say they are 30% body fat. We subtract 30 and now we have 70. Okay. So we take 70 and we're going to multiply it by 1.2 to 1.6 to get how many grams of protein that person needs. So I'm going to say that again, you take your body weight, subtract your body fat percentage, the estimate, and then multiply your lean body mass by 1.2 to 1.6. I'm typically on that higher side of the 1.6 with a lot of my male clients, female clients, anywhere kind of in that range. But I, I will push a little bit higher and harder with men, especially if they have a lot of volume in their training program. For myself, just to give you guys a little bit of perspective there, I'm eating around 175 grams of protein per day. Okay. So we can get our amino acids through other sources than animal-based food products and plant-based food products. And even from like a protein supplement, we can actually get direct amino acids and we call these EAAs or essential amino acids or BCAAs, branching amino acids. So branching amino acids are our isoleucine, leucine, and valine. And these three 
amino acids are the primary building blocks for muscle, but we do need all nine essential ones to build muscle. So most of the time, I will recommend that you actually take an EAA supplement over a BCAA. And for my vegans and vegetarians out there, I will definitely recommend that you get a good, clean vegetarian EAA product to make sure that you're meeting your body's essential amino acid requirements. So let's talk about how much protein, you know, you probably are going to need. Now, if we're looking at how many grams of protein are in four ounces chicken, let's look this up. Grams of protein. I believe it's around 30, but I need to just to double check so that my brain. Okay. So a four ounce serving of chicken has about 35 grams of protein. And when you search this on Google, it says that adults need 45 to 55 grams of protein a day, which is absolutely mind blowing to me. This is what we call misinformation. We also call this the FDA. So the FDA says things like, this is how much protein your body needs. And we all go, okay, perfect. That's how much protein I need. What the FDA is recommending is how much protein you need so you don't die. It is not recommending how much protein you need to thrive or survive. And so if you just Google how much protein do I need and you get an FDA a recommendation from the government, this is how much protein that you need to eat. And it says 45 to 55 grams. Please ignore that because that is based on you not dying. It is not based on you recovering from workouts. That is not based on you thriving. So here we are. We are going to dive in to how much protein your body needs and how we're going to get that. So let's just say for four ounces of chicken, we're going to have 30 grams just to make it easy for numbers. And I need a hundred grams of protein. That means I'm going to need to eat at least 10 to 12 ounces of chicken. So we could split that up into three servings. Now you're going to need more than that for the average person here that's listening to this podcast. So for me to meet my protein goals, I have about a 45 gram serving of protein powder in the morning with my pre-workout meal. I also have a 30 to 45 gram serving of protein powder with my post-workout meal. And then I also have three servings of animal-based proteins around three to four ounces per serving. And I still eat other protein-containing foods like whole grains, nuts and seeds, as well as vegetables. I don't have a whole lot of legumes in my nutrition strategy right now, but I do like to include those. And there are occasions and times where I will have vegetarian meals as well. Or maybe I'm going to swap out, say like a red meat protein for just scrambled egg whites or an egg white protein. I think one of the greatest things to understand here is that we want to get a good variety, is that we don't want to only eat chicken or only eat fish or only eat eggs. We really want to get a good variety of protein sources because they all come with different micronutrients in those protein sources as well. And so it's great to get a good variety as well as to make sure that your protein powders have a variety as well, especially if you're supplementing with them more than once a day. So let's talk about the supplement strategies. Let's talk about different types of protein. So I think one of the biggest issues with protein powder is that, well, I get a lot of people that will come to me and say, hey, you know what? I've tried protein powder before and it just doesn't agree with my stomach. I think it's the dairy. I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe, but let's talk about the types of protein and what's on the label. Send me a screenshot of your nutrition label and almost immediately I can say, oh no, it is not the protein. It is actually the artificial sweeteners like sucralose and aspartame that are wrecking havoc on your guts. And you think that the protein is doing that, but it's actually 
the artificial sweeteners and the shit that's in your protein powder. So let's f- pick a different protein powder for you. And then like nine times out of 10, my clients will be like, oh, my digestion is totally fine with this whey-based protein. So you're going to see on protein like powder supplement labels, you're going to see casein protein and you're going to see whey protein. And this will, well, they're going to be listed probably as a concentrate and an isolate. Okay. So a concentrate is less filtered than an isolate. Okay. So a concentrate protein is going to contain both casein protein and whey protein. Okay. And when we have the isolate protein, it has been, I guess, formulated so that it has very little to no lactose. And lactose is the sugar molecule that forms the carbohydrate content of our protein powder. And 75% of people on this planet are lactose intolerant. So if you are eating a protein powder that is a whey concentrate and not a whey isolate, there is likely a larger portion of that that is carbohydrates. And those carbohydrates are lactose. And if you're one of those 75%, that may be another reason that you're not digesting your protein well. So instead of looking for the whey concentrate, look for the whey isolate. The next thing is that we have casein and whey protein. And so a casein protein typically is a longer chain of amino acids and has a slower release and a slower digestion rate of around three to four hours. And it's a not very well digested protein. So this can cause some digestive disturbances. We also have our whey protein, which is absorbed more quickly within 20 to 30 minutes. So I recommend if it's pre or post-workout to be supplementing with the whey protein isolate. And for most people, I recommend that we avoid concentrate proteins because of their lactose content and that we look for the whey protein and not the casein protein. Because if you're if you have that casein protein, oftentimes cheaper proteins will claim that they're a blend and they actually just have a very high percentage of concentrate or and casein protein and a lower percentage of like a whey or whey isolate. So overall, if when we're looking at our different types of protein powders, we are typically just choosing between the concentrate and isolate. The whey concentrate has less protein and higher carbohydrates and about half of those carbohydrates in a whey concentrate are actually coming from the lactose, as I said. So a couple of things that you're looking for on your nutrition label, making sure it has no artificial sweeteners. I totally approve of stevia, monk fruit, erythritol is another one that is okay in the digestive tract. Anything that's like a sucralose or aspartame, I would definitely be avoiding those products. And then if you are someone who doesn't agree with dairy, make sure you're choosing the isolate and not the concentrate because you're going to you know, really struggle to digest the concentrate with the level of lactose in there. And then of course, again, if you're looking at your proteins, you might see some that are a blend of that casein and whey. I would lean towards finding one that's purely whey and doesn't contain the casein protein. Those are the two types of protein in milk is the casein and the whey. The casein, remember, longer chain of amino acids, harder to break down, more difficult to digest. And a lot of people find that they don't digest it well. So I just recommend to stay away from it completely. You can experiment with that though for yourself and kind of find what works best for you. Now there are, of course, other options other than dairy proteins to supplement with. Egg white protein is a really like a great one. It's one of my favorites. And I always do egg white protein before my workout. You can also do collagen proteins, but just remember that collagen is a very specific 
chain of amino acids and there's different types of collagen, but it's not a complete amino acid. It doesn't have all of the amino acids. So you cannot replace collagen for like a whey or an egg white protein because it doesn't actually come with the complete range of amino acids. So that's just kind of a heads up there. Your plant-based proteins, again, it's kind of the same idea. Just be looking at the label. I don't recommend, you know, choosing a product that you don't digest well, especially if you're supplementing with it regularly. If you know soy doesn't agree with you, I wouldn't choose a soy protein. My favorite digestible protein is going to be a brown rice protein for vegetarians. Think a brown rice protein or like a fermented brown rice protein is really great. And that's probably my go-to for the vegetarian category, but you're going to see lots of different vegan blends out there. One of my favorite vegan blends is actually by a company called ATP Labs. This is not a shameless plug, but it's just, I truly believe in their products. They also have like a hydrolyzed beef bone broth and collagen that is a complete range of amino acids and it's an alternative to whey. And they also have the microfiltered whey isolate as well. But the ATP organic vegan blend has not only a wide variety of different plant proteins like hemp and pumpkin, brown rice, but it also comes with digestive enzymes that can really help to break that protein down for you and make it easier to digest for your body. Because I find a lot of times plant-based proteins make people gassy and uncomfortable. So those digestive enzymes can really help with the digestion and assimilation of those plant-based proteins in the body. All right. I think that is enough about protein for today. I just want to give you one more fun fact before we wrap up. And that is that in a pound of muscle, there's about 700 calories, but it takes anywhere from 2,700 to 3,600 calories to build a pound of muscle. So you can't force extra muscle. You have to eat it. You have to be getting that from your diet. All right, you guys, I hope this was helpful. I hope you learned something today. I hope that there was a little golden nugget that you could put in your pocket and take home with you for living your vibrant life. Peace, love, and personal growth, and I will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to Your Vibrant Life Podcast. I had so much fun, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to catch your weekly dose of health and wellness. If you found value in this episode, the number one thing you can do to support the show is to share this episode with someone who could benefit or leave a review. If you'd like to find out more about the online programs and services available at Health Pillars, go to healthpillars.ca and click Let's Work Together to fill out an application. I'd love to help you create your vibrant life. The Samsung Neo QLED 8K TV featuring incredible color volume with 8K AI upscaling powered by 20 neural networks on an impossibly slim screen is the kind of TV that's so visually astounding, so unfathomably well-designed, it has to be seen to be believed. Don't believe me? Well, okay then. Radio has its limits. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good.